welcome to New Persuasive Words, a podcast of hope-seeking understanding. You're invited to listen in to an ongoing conversation about theology, culture, and politics between your co-hosts, Scott Jones and Bill Bohr. Regardless of topic, Bill and Scott offer intelligent insights and critiques, sometimes funny, occasionally contentious, but always remaining friends. Now, here are Scott and Bill. Welcome back to the show. This is episode two. 140, and I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. And we're back here on a Monday. Yeah. This starts the first day of... No, it doesn't really start the first day of the court with Kavanaugh because it's Columbus Day. Yeah. yeah. The first day for the rest of his life. Yeah. So, Elena Kagan and uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor... Mm-hmm. gave this talk apparently over the weekend and they were talking about how the justices when the court is in session they eat together every day and they don't talk about work you're not allowed to talk work related so you kind of people just talk with their i mean do you think that's the awkward thing when justice kavanaugh sits down is it like well now clarence thomas is someone will sit with him oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean that is poor that... clarence over there by himself oh my yeah, god i mean that you know it's just something to think about I was thinking, I was wondering, yeah. socially. You know, something else we should think about here. Uh, episode 250 is is in the horizon, so we should figure out who should be our guest on 250. We, should we have a guest? Should we go somewhere? Should we, do, we could go somewhere. We could go somewhere. So if, give us suggestions. If we, could, we, could do, suggestions. we could do a live, we could do a live podcast. We could do it live somewhere. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, we could, uh, yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's uh, some, yeah, we should think about that. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Also, I just want to shout out to everybody who was down Collinswood yesterday for a great um, celebration of the life of Colleen Riley, which was cut way too short. But uh, she lived a bold and wonderful life. I've talked about her a lot, and uh, she was like a daughter to me. And we, um, you know, it was uh, kind of a uh, she didn't she didn't want me to fish aid, but she said, "I need you to be I need you to oversee stuff so it doesn't get stupid." So. <laughs> So we had what? A, what a, I mean, that what a what a what a high calling. Yeah, I was so I was the MC, but uh, we had a great uh, and uh, yeah, we did music and remembrances, and uh, so she touched a lot of lives. People from every phase of her life was there, and um, so she will be greatly missed. But uh, uh, she she brought a lot of people together. So anyway, so that's all I have to say about that. And so it's Monday. We. You and I have. You came in here and asked. Yeah, I you had asked if I had a topic in mind. No, actually, we didn't talk. We didn't do a pre-talk. So this is this is this, really fresh. This is cult fresh or totally irresponsible. One of the ways you could go. Either way, and if it goes well, you <laughs> you feel like wow, you guys are. Great well, I, I could always say we could we could not we could not post it, but we are doing this live, so there is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did. I mean, I did. Have an idea. No, it's that's, not that's like a good I had idea. But it's not like we, we, it was not mulled over. But, well, we kind of, but we set the table. We mulled a little bit. We did some pre mulling. We've done a lot of mulling. We do a lot of mulling. By the way, we're getting close to mulled wine time, which could, we should mull with some mulled wine. I, I have never mulled anything. Oh, well, good. So, I, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to actually begin with our friend David E. Fitch of Northern Seminaries. Facebook post, which five hours ago was shared, and you alerted me to. Now, you asked asked me kind of what this meant, and I, <laughs> I tried to translate it for you, so I'll try to do it on the fly again. 
like people say, do you sight read German? Well, or, by the way, know, I, do you I, sight read Fitch? Well, I try. I suppose, so, so often Scott helps me understand at least what he thinks the intent of Dr. Fitch is. I'm doing this without my Zizek or Yoder dictionary. I'm just going right for it. He says, he says, I predict if Roe versus Wade, he'll be great. I wish you should, I should read these in the Trump voices. I predict. It's too much. Or do Fitch. Do your Fitch impression. I predict if Roe versus Wade is overturned and the decisive vote is Kavanaugh's. The ensuing antagonism, division, and resentment will set back Christian witness. In the United States, 100 years. Okay, discuss among yourselves. <laughs> I, and I said just that just Fitch's post alone set us back 20 years. But uh, you, um, I think we know what he means. But why don't you, you, so, you put in such well, okay, beautiful Okay, now, now that I read it, though, I don't know if my... Oh, the back of my chair just popped off. Is this the? Is, this, is that the one Paget built? Yeah, this might be the one. Paget oh, Pat, come on, use that, that, that. We need some of that grant money you got to fix the chair. I'm going to use this in stool mode. <laughs> oh my gosh, we we are we were going to put on uh, McCartney, not McCartney. We're I'm gonna in be, stool mode. Now. We were going to do uh, Paul uh, John, uh, not John. We were going to do Simon Garfunkel sitting on our stools here. So initially, I thought this meant that if evangelicals yep. were to if if Kavanaugh what it was this deciding vote, then evangelicals would see this as the fruit of their efforts to sort of change society from the top down by the, things like the moral majority, the Christian coalition, the values voter kind of coalition. Well, that does say they are changing, they are changing through the courts things that couldn't get changed in the ballot box. Right, right. And this is, you know, the attempt to sort of redeem the culture. This is through the, the machinations of, of power is, is working, right? And that this would set that this would set the movement back because it would sort of reinforce a bad idea, like something that most thoughtful people think is even thoughtful people on uh, right of center. There are a lot of critics of that sort of culture war, Christian crusading sort of, you know, attempts. So that's what I thought. But now when I see this antagonism, division, resentment, resentment, which would be like the French Nietzsche uses that a lot it's supposed to resentment he uses the french for some reason but so okay antagonism sure because culture is just antagonistic and tribal yes i get that division i would think it would unite a lot of even i guess it maybe would cause division by the people that that are the 20 percenters who you know are against sort of this whole affair but and resentment among who among the people outside the church and how would that affect Christian witness. And he's not talking evangelical. He just see the Christian witness. Yeah. Uh, there's 62 comments. I'm going to read these comments eventually because this is, I don't really. Maybe the comments will help clarify. Well, why did you use this as a Springfield? Yeah. Spring okay. Springfield. Springfield. Springfield, like the Simpsons. <laughs> why, Springfield. That might be right. Why did you use this as a springboard? Uh, and thank you to our listeners in Springfield. Uh, but uh, I would venture that we do have. I know we have. I know we have listeners list- in a Springfield. We have. I know we have listeners in in two Springfields in Pennsylvania. So. All right. There you go. But uh, so your idea of Beverly Gaventa is watching us. Who's former professor of Princeton Seminary, New Testament, and now at Baylor University. Yeah. So I think it's a first-time watcher, Dr. Gaventa. Uh, 
Uh, welcome yes. to the show, and I hope to have her on the Give and Take pod- pod- podcast. I have not forgotten about you. She has a new book on Paul, which is very interesting. Oh, good. Yeah. So, hello to you via Facebook. I For those listeners, we do this Facebook live, the podcast stream via Facebook Live, and so I see people who pop in sometimes. So, Yeah. Well, I thought that we did an episode the other day about based on an essay that somebody had written about the philosophy of the cross. And they were, it was a provocative essay that was sort of saying, Well, it was a provocative question. Provocative question, right? It ra- yeah. raised some provocative questions about sort of thinking about what's Christian philosophy and sort of inspired, I guess, by Luther's Heidelberg disputation, Gerhard Forda, he- leaning heavily on 1 Corinthians, thinking about you know the cross as the power of God and it being, making the world's wisdom foolish. This right. kind of great inverse of values and mm-hmm. what's true and good and beautiful so and they you know sort of critiqued the landscape of contemporary christian philosophy in light of that standard you right. know that alvin plantiga is a foil in the essay and we reflected on that it's two episodes ago and i was thinking what would it mean to have a politics of the cross in this current moment which you think the tribalism can't get worse and it does i mean it's just right. amazing there's no basement here <laughs> well you no know, i mean it's and it's an international phenomenon you know the um, the far right party in brazil just got i think the most it's causing a runoff election down there yeah right yeah, so it's and we've talked about it before if it's going on in europe uh, thank god for canada it's holding out but <laughs> i thought we were talking today the thing that's amazing about populism in america the, the republican party is able to kind of galvanize yeah a populist Movement without giving any goodies, no. like without like it, like most places, like in Europe, these nationalist populist movements are, in addition to being sort of ethnocentric and xenophobic, are often promising lots of government goodies. It's like what the populism here is like national socialism without the socialism. <laughs> you kind well, of well, people, kind of, yeah, I, I think people again who. Uh, care deeply about the abortion issue, they would say, well, we've got our judges. Right. They, this, you're not, this is the thing that's interesting and why you probably couldn't pull this off in any other context right. is because in lieu of sort of governmental you know, expenditures on right. infrastructure, education, healthcare, whatever, but for us, not for foreigners, not for us, in, in lieu of that, you have these values issues. Like when you put... Right. You know, uh, same-sex marriage thing in Ohio during an election year. Carl Rove, I think, was responsible for that to get people out. And abortion is another right. thing. So you, you, and and Christmas. You know, Merry Christmas. It's like we're on Christmas, but without the, I mean, without America's unique in that sense. I think right. where at least in, among Western. Yeah, there would be, there would be some smaller Catholic countries. You've seen the vote yeah. of abortion rights in Catholic countries be close, but uh, no, I think America has a, has a unique kind of. Um, Unique kind of clumber, you know, gathering together for different forces around, for lack of better words, traditional values have married itself with the kind of white fear. And now apparently, uh, how dangerous it is to be a, a white man in this country, according to <laughs> Donald Trump. So white men, uh, I liked the Saturday Night Live, you know, we got our, we got our coalition together. Old white men over 60 and old white men over 70. Yeah, yeah. The American loves it. <laughs> but I do think there's some, you know, there, there are, I mean, they are tapping into um, to some, some anxieties and fears. We've talked a lot about this. I mean, uh, you know, I was born in West Virginia and, 
Trump what Trump carried that by forty some percent or something that uh, astronomical. And there aren't very many people in West Virginia benefited from the last tax bill. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and matter of fact, the uh, the coal miners, you know, the, the people who are still working the coal miners, they're doing okay. But everybody has to drink the water and breathe the air around them, isn't, isn't that's not a good thing? So. You know, West Virginia is one place where people continually vote for things that aren't, aren't in their best interest. And no one's voting for the best long-term interest, whether it's the environment or whether it is the uh, deficit. Um, you know, no one is actually really that concerned about what's I – and mean, we're not talking long-term. We're not talking about long-term future issues. Uh, uh, the latest study, you know, and again, I mean, you have to read all the science behind it. But, you know, this latest study that came out, you know, 2030 – Maybe the point of no return about uh, about all the effect of the warming temperatures. So, I mean, I think there is no long term. There's no long game here at all, um, and and it plays right into a country that uh, doesn't save uh, only half the population has life insurance. We're not we're not futurist. We're not, not right now. No, no we're, we're, not, not, we're not. No, we are not futurist by any stretch of the imagination that, yeah. that i feel like is an understatement yeah and, it, and you really compare it to like the 40s and 50s now again not every i mean the cold war was pushing a lot of stuff uh, and that's a lot of bad stuff happened in that but there was a much more you know interest in moving forward yeah and i don't we're moving somewhere so so a politics of the cross as opposed to so this is my thinking here and and this is why dave fitch our friend out in in Greater Chicago at Northern Seminary, who lost his co-host Jeff Holskaw in the Theology and Mission podcast, which I I, it's, it, I don't know how they go on, but Fitch has tried to he's filled the seat, but not the shoes. Okay. Yeah, well, Jeff spread his wings and and went to Grand Rapids. There we go. Yeah. So, I mean, I was thinking there's a book that's a a seminal book for. 20th century theological ethics, well, 21st century, it's not, it's not out of fashion. John Howard Yoder's The Politics of Jesus, which is a great read if you haven't read it, and not what I'm exactly thinking of, but Yoder there saying that Jesus, the Jesus movement is political, but not in the sense that most people think about it, most, of, of politics, that it's not just personal salvation, but that it's a radical new creation that, it, you know, through God's healing, calls people into the agent, into the witness of reconciliation through this radical new community that's pacific. I mean, pacifism plays a huge right. driving, is a huge driving force in the book. But there are other sort of service, mutuality sort of, you know, thrusts in, in the book. And, and in some sense, you know, there's a, there's, a kind of imit- imitatio Jesus thrust to it. I mean, it, yeah. it's imitating the story of Jesus. Although he would say it's it's living in the new creation. It's not just imitating a dead hero or something. It's 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 it's, it's rehearsing the story of Jesus largely through nonviolence. I, I want to say what I'm thinking of is not quite the same thing. I'm thinking of like we were saying the other day that that somehow a philosophy of the cross in in dialogue with other philosophical approaches i think would be something that would find would find co-belligerency with philosophies that kind of were in the face of human apotheosis and and this sort of promethean spirit of kind of humanity thinking more of itself you know having a sort of optimistic 
kind of self-aggrandized view. The, the philosophies that cut against that would be philosophies that would, in some sense, have resonance with the philosophy of the cross, which shames the wisdom of the world, right? It takes the, 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 the weak things of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not the powerful. It shows the, it shows the bankruptcy of, of power as we think about it. And I was thinking about what would that look like politically? And, you know, on one level, right, there's things in conservatism that resonate with that, traditionally understood, mm-hmm. a kind yeah. of awareness that we don't really know all that much, right? That, that there's cu- accumulated wisdom that we don't really know how we got. <laughs> and, right, right. And, and a sort of skepticism with regard to our ability to just solve any and all problems through basic ingenuity and things right. like that. That, 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 that. This kind of humility. Yeah. Uh, that, that, you know, that traditionally, you know, people say people like Edmund Burke or, you know, the history of the Anglo conservative movement anyway, that would seem to be, you know, an ally of something like a philosophy of the cross. And, and this is something of what Tom Nichols says in his piece in the Atlantic yesterday, who was on morning Joe this morning about, you know, why I'm no longer a Republican. Right. He's like, it's not that I'm not a conservative anymore. It's just that the Republican party doesn't strike me as conservatives. Some of these kind of age old, principles in the conservative don't seem to resonate anymore, right? right you no. sort of blow up deficits, you can have yeah, massive re- government expansions I, I, I on mean, things that are pet projects. Yeah, Trumpism is not a principled conservatism at all. It's not a principled anything. Right. But I think, uh, you know, a liberal version of that would be Bobby Kennedy post-JFK's assassination. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I think our, uh, the, the um, brief but uh, powerful and beautiful um, – Presidential campaign in 1968. I mean, if you read some of the speeches, uh, and again, I think uh, the crucible of, of losing his brother and also, I think, reflecting on some of the things that he was a part of, I think change, he was a changed man after that. And, uh, um, and you know, I think an identification, certainly an identification with the poor and the oppressed. Um, uh, the fact that, to me, uh, certainly a, a politics of the cross would uh, not be quiet about the you know the thousands of kids that are currently being held in tents in the desert in West Texas um, as uh, in refugee concentration camps, really what they are. Um, you know, I think those are you know be identifying with that. I mean, I think there can you that that would be maybe. Although you know, defending children in in, in concentration camps should not be a conservative or a liberal. <laughs> right, that, right. that should not be that should not be something that would be open to debate. But I do think uh, in terms of... Let's poll that issue. (laughs) I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it because of the conversations you find here? If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month or more? It's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcast projects I've got in the works. So I invite you to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Ellis Brazil, David Zoll, Sari Graham, 
Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Blythe, David Norling, Charlotte Donlan, Barry Stewart, Larry Rule, Stephen Lipless, John Schneider, Ben Crosby, Liam O'Brien, Jim Crest, Stephen Rowe, Ben DeHart, Jordan Morseberger, Josh Redder, Jennifer Underwood, Kai Whitpenig, Simone Garabedian, Jim Kirk, Samantha Konauer, and Jordan DeMaze. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show. I don't think I don't think a politics of the cross would ask. All right, are you you know are you better now than you were four years ago? Yeah, I mean I I have you know again I I think um, you know whether I, I haven't read any of the recent books about the nice, but I, I do think some of this is laid at the feet of Ronald Reagan too. You know, I mean the politics of are you are you know are you better off? And and uh, and though there was more. Res- positive responsible things done well i don't think i don't think the reagan tax cuts were fiscally responsible and and the, the adult in the room bush senior you know ended up costing him a second term because he said well we have to do something about all yeah. the irresponsible uh budget cuts but i think of theology of the cross certainly would would be you know I, I'm, I'm thinking again um you know dietrich bonhoeffer uh part of his role in the you know, among the conspirators was he was almost like a confessor yeah, yeah. Um, kind of giving them, you know, yes, you're part of, you're about, you're part of uh, regicide. You're part, you know, something that you're part, uh, and goes against your value systems. But there is, there are times where it's right to do something wrong or evil in order to stop a greater evil. I would say the cross is a, is a very evil event on, on, uh, on, you know, from, from an earthly plane, it is a remarkably evil and cruel thing. And, and it reflects, um, you know, the history of human cruelty, both before it, during and after it. Yeah. And I also think that I, as I was thinking, mulling this around, I was thinking it's almost got to be always be dialectical. Like, you know, it, when people think about he- Hegel, like the, the dialectic, you know, there's synthesis, th- thesis, antithesis, and then the tension there makes a new thing. Right. But it's not really synthesis because it's just a new conflicts. It's, yeah, it it's, really starts with the antithesis. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's always antithesis. There's always yeah. dialectic and struggle. Yeah. And I think that, that so for instance, the, where the conservatism can certainly align with something like a politics of the cross, it also can underwrite it kind of traditional establishment things, you know, that, that it's, it's funny because, you know, like Jonathan Haidt says, you know, morality binds and it blinds, it binds together and in-group loyalty for evolution is really important. Also blinds you to a lot of realities because you just say, all right, you know, this is who we are. And this that's is settled. It, and that settles it, it's right? It's settled, yeah. And so the problem is like, you know, I, I'm probably wrong about like 90% of things. The problem is which 90%, right? And yeah, so so yeah. this, this kind of the progressive impulse is the one that also kind of allies with this sort of a politics of the cross when it, when it interrogates the kind of things like quietism, certain kinds of establishments that underwrite certain interests, right? Which inevitably yeah. happens in human society, right? The power, you know, might tends to make right and, and might definitely makes wealthy and powerful. Right. right. Very yeah. often. So these yeah. things, but again, you know, this is, you know, when, Anytime these things are not in dialectical relationship, right, you tend to get this human apotheosis. You tend to absolutize. You tend to, you know, people that the conservative, this is the kind of like what sociologists know. Like, let's say you and I are into guns and AR, what is it, AR-15s or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we like to go shoot AR-15s. 
when we're with our friends shooting AR-15s, our views on guns are going to get all the more intense, right? Right. Sure. Just like people that are, you know, into like, uh, you know, I don't know. I was thinking, what's that tea that you make that I forget that um, the kale or something, right? Yeah. Like, then you're going to get more intense about organic kale and more intense about the people that are shooting the AR-15s <laughs> that, you, that you would never <laughs> hang out with or whatever. So, like, outside of the dialectical tension, even things that on one level are, oh, this is like the politics of the cross. This is calling, you know, attention to human pride, things that are, make us blind to suffering. And that, yeah. that, that outside of dialectic, these things can become blind spots in themselves. So this is, you know. Well, for instance, what was the last time you heard a thoughtful, uh, open um, discussion about the, the morality of both the pro-choice and pro-life issue around abortion? Yeah, you don't hear it much. You, you don't hear yeah. it. And I think there's actually, there's a lot of interesting, there are some really is- interesting issues and problems of each position. And But because it's a settled issue for each side, there's not really an opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, I know. I think that's that's absolutely right. And I, I think part of it, too, I was thinking that a politics of the cross would see people, it would put an end to self-justifying self-justif- stories, right? So much... Political yeah. existence comes from self, from groupthink. From yeah, absolutely. You know, you, 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 well, hey, I'm a little insecure, so I'll, some 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 people use politics to sort of cover that up, and then we all, you and know, that, is that why we have the? Uh, that's why the turtle king is ruling the country. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I mean, that makes sense. You know, maybe whoever, any of you out there, if you're still alive, if you're the guys that put him in a lock, yeah, you locked him up in the locker and made fun of him. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I mean, like. It's just interesting, like the charisma contest between Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell. <laughs> like I mean, it's very interesting. Not the, not the two most. Well, it's, it's so. It's what's interesting. It would be it's so dramatically dull, but maybe that's the kind of personality that uh, you know. Arguably, right now, Mitch McConnell might be the second most powerful person in the country. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean right behind Vladimir Putin? Right, well, yeah, he, I, he, 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 his stock's going down a little bit. Uh, yeah. So. No, yeah, I, so, I mean, this, I think, what's interesting is the the, the idea, I was reading, and I was just thumbing th- through a book, great book uh, by Ted Peters, Lutheran theologian, called Sin Boldly, Justifying Faith for Fragile and Broken Souls. And it's a lot about, like, public life mm-hmm. and, and Protestant faith. And he talks about, is it better to, he's, quoting Socrates here, to perpetuate, to, to perpetuate injustice, to do injustice or suffer injustice. And Socrates thinks to suffer injustice, right? right? I mean, and not to just say that there's anything great in suffering, but of the two, the one like deforms the soul more than the other. Right, right. And that's sort of, you know, when Barack Obama was asked about evil by Rick Warren in, in this public forum with John yeah. McCain and that, what do you do with evil? And McCain's like, you, you extinguish it. You, 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 you put it at, you vanquish it. And Barack Obama was very kind of sounded like Reinhold Niebuhr saying a lot of great injustices and evils have been done by people r- trying to eradicate evil. Right. And, that, well, I mean, and, and I think a politics of the cross would say, well, what constantly asking what, in, what evil have we perpetuated consciously and unconsciously in the pursuit of what we thought were noble ends. Well, I think I'm Which, just, like, never gets asked. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm actually listening to a podcast, a fascinating podcast from the BBC right now called uh, The Rat Trail. And it's about uh, this one particular Nazi war criminal who, uh, he, and he traces the story of it because he was the governor. Uh, he was the governor 
of the area in what's now Poland um, that uh, the broadcaster's grandfather's family was all massacred. And he actually, he's met the guy's son. It's just a fascinating story in Austria. A guy joined the Nazi party when he was 1928. Uh, fascinating story. But um, what the, there was a thing called Operation Los Angeles where the precursor to the CIA and, and the craziness of post-World War II, uh, Austria and Germany and Italy and, and you know, uh, where the vanquishment of the Nazis quickly became, you know, dealing with the Soviet threat. How they recruited, how they recruited former Nazis who they knew had committed atrocities to be agents. Uh, and the Vatican was very involved in this as well. It's a very fascinating thing, but that's exactly it. So the, the, I'm going to listen to this, man. That yeah, sounds fantastic. It was fantastic. And so the... Not the idea of recruiting the Nazis. I mean, the Pia, don't get me wrong. Let me qualify. <laughs> no, I, I, say yeah, that's why. Fantastic. That's why punctuation is so yeah. important. But no, but the, so there's a sense where that um, the things that Americans did during the Cold War, and I mean, you know, obviously we don't have McCartney hearings and things like that, but, um, you know, that uh, people, there was a couple people that got uh, smuggled out. There was a person who suddenly uh, got. Uh, you know, cle- you know, cleared his record, cleared and things like that. They had a whole process for this. is fascinating stuff, and that's exactly. And so, um, you know, and so part of the lies that had to be told following World War II, I think the whole way the Cold War again. And I'm not minimizing the threat of Soviet communism, but um, those lies I think continue to affect us. I mean, yesterday there were it was the 17th anniversary of the beginning of the war in Afghanistan. The 17th anniversary. Um, and 50 more civilians were killed yesterday in Afghanistan. And so, I mean, you know, you could, that's a different kind of mythology, the post 9-11 mythology, but the fighting communism mythology uh, <clears throat> ended up getting several million Vietnamese killed, plus, you know, another million or so Laotians and Cambodians and, um, you know, scars that our nation took a long time to heal. And I'm not sure all the healing was, was for the better. Yeah, and I, we, I'm thinking, you know, Tim Keller wrote an op-ed piece in the New York Times and posted a lot on Facebook and Twitter throughout social media. Is it, where do Christians fit in a two-party system? They don't. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, it seems like they're fitting pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but his point was more like, you know, that yeah. Christian principles, if you're faithful to, to a robust understanding of the gospel and the Bible, that... You know, in a two-party system like this, you, you're you're not going to easily you're going to be uncomfortable on both sides. Which may or I mean, you know, I, I, on one level, I probably agree with some of that. But what I'm thinking here, as far as politics are concerned, it's much less about positions and, that you take, but rather the position in which you take them. Yeah. That that you know, obviously, people, very principled people, can have can have a very different yeah, if po- can, if politics is something like love of neighbor right yeah that they can have a very different way construal of how that, how that works but i think that then the politics across would say first off we're often not very principled right no no <laughs> and, and and would sort of be inter sell the, the interrogation would be in the mirror a lot right which we don't see as much of you know that constantly it's like this is why we're in the whataboutism culture right when the, when whenever there is a rare moment where a, a flaw is on display and it can't be justified away, it's well, what about that over yeah, there? Yeah. And, and what aboutism to me is the antithesis 
of like a, what a politics of the cross would be. Well, I, you know, one of the things I think in terms of, you know, to get back to Fitch's question, you know, one is... As okay, we rendered it. As we rendered it, you know, well, what's the cost uh, to the Catholic Church for the cover-up of the pedophile, you know, the pedophile scandals? And what was the cost to the Catholic Church for siding with Hitler? Not only what was the cost to its reputation, but was it could have saved lives on the ground. I mean, when when basically... And part of it was, you know, there was, and it was, and I, again, it's easy to look, you know, it's easy to look back in 2020, but when they continue to support, some continue to support them because they thought communism was a bigger evil than Nazism. Well, the way the cross would see would, you know, it doesn't see, you know, it doesn't necessarily give uh, uh, grades to evil. (laughs) (laughs) In other words, okay, Nazis, you're a D, but those communists are F, you know. Uh, Well, you know, I think that kind of... uh, that's the danger of who you go to bed with when you're, you know, Christian in, political, in politics. And it's also um, a failure. You know, I, you can say that it, it gets back to a theology of glory as well. well where this, this issue is so important that I'm willing to do whatever I need to to get that done. Yeah, you know, there was this study done at Harvard Business School years ago. And they, I forget what the reference. It might be in Good to Great or something. But, and they're saying, like— Bad CEOs, when they were doing the study, talked mostly about their successes. Middling, average CEOs talked equally as they were in these in-depth interviews yeah. about successes and failures. And top-notch CEOs talked mostly about their failures. Because that's they were most interested in, in getting learn. better yeah. and learning. Right. And that's, you know, so often, though, like politically, that's viewed as the weakness to talk about your failures. And right. you talk, you, know, you talk, so you just, again, it's the, it's the, it is the, the, the glory story. Look how great. So, I mean, America should be a great country because both parties do so many good things. Right. 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 <laughs> right. I, mean, I mean, if you listen to both of them, right. That, that, you know, that this is the antithesis of what the politics of the cross would be where you, you would, you'd learn through the, the, you know, your own faults and, and being able to do that, because you don't have to self-justify, but you realize that you're justified by something outside you, by by the crucified right. Savior, right? The, the the true King and Lord. So that so then you don't need a sort of counterfeit no. Lord to of the party or something to justify. It. And the other thing I think of a politics across makes us suspicious to of our own opinions to be able our own ability to interpret what's going on. Yes. Yeah. I think you know, for instance, Franklin Graham announced that God brought about the uh, vote that, that elected Kavanaugh or approved Kavanaugh. He actually said that in a tweet that God brought that about. Well, if if Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump are God, then you're right, uh, Franklin. What about Susan Collins? That's Susan she's Collins. the big one. Yeah, she'd be. Well, there's the Trinity. Maine. There's the Trinity for you. Godless Maine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I think that that kind of that kind of presumption on either side, you know, I mean, any that kind of triumphalism um, is not only. Um, uh, stupid and foolish. Um, I mean, it's throwing yourself off the pinnacle of the temple. And um, I think that's Jesus, something Jesus kind of showed us you shouldn't be doing. Absolutely. If, if you can all avoid it. This is a passage from this book I was quoting that I'll just read here maybe and see what you think of it in conclusion. I, it, it's sort of, I thought it was interesting. This is now, I thought I had the right reference, but yeah, I think I do. I'm pretty sure I do. Um, okay, here we go. It's, see, this is anticlimactic when I do that. Uh, it's self-justification is not pure narcissism. The self-justifying soul seeks to conform itself to something that transcends itself, namely the moral universe. Our love of justice is an authentic love. We love what transcends us. 
it is the case that we love justice, whether we genuinely pursue a just social order or whether we dis- disingenuously pursue our own self-justification. Here is my thesis. The fragile soul attempts to form itself, to justify itself according to the structure of eternal justice and thereby inherit eternal life. The problem, however, is that to pursue eternal life by following the path of justice is folly. Pursuing justice is a divine vocation, to be sure, but it is not the boat that ferries us to the Isle of the Blessed. And I think that's really interesting, mm. this notion that, that, of course, our, we ought to be about the works of neighbor love. And what does Luther say, right? God, uh, God, God doesn't need our works, our neighbor does. Right, right. right. But this idea that, like, look, our love of justice is, is absolutely a good thing, and yet it's not what delivers us. Right. And, and that's a, that should actually, that knowledge really soaked in would make, would be at the heart of the politics of the crossword because then there's less at stake, less ultimately, which means you can hold things looser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we are not in a loosely holding time. No. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us for today's episode of New Persuasive Words. Hope you enjoyed Scott and Bill's conversation and will join us back here next time. Until then, thanks for listening and God bless. <laughs>